temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's the international break. There's no games for Atlanta United anyway this weekend. The Atlanta United 2 side has a big game over in Huntsville on Sunday night. There are MLS games this weekend, which is kind of weird. There's also World Cup qualifiers in South America, Euro 2024 qualifiers in Europe. All kinds of things going on in the soccer world right now. We'll take your questions and we'll dig into really whatever you guys want to on today's stoppage time. What's up, Mike? Yeah, yeah open line Wednesday, I guess. I guess. Uh, I mean, we could talk a little bit about the Dallas game if you want. Uh, you know, I think I think that was, um, you know, it kind of is what it was. Um, I'm it, still it was, conflicted. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I said at the end of the broadcast that I don't think Atlanta United is going to be upset or disappointed with the draw, but they may not be satisfied. And I, I'm sticking to yeah. that. I think that yeah. was the the general vibe I got on the way home with the team on Saturday. Like, I, I, I don't think they were, like, really upset or despondent. I, I think they just thought they could get more. I thought yeah. – and I told Gonzalo Pineda on the plane, I thought they deserved to win. I thought Atlanta United was, was a, a team that deserved to win. And I based that on the fact that the first goal for Dallas should have yeah. not counted. And yeah, that, that's that's the key element here. That's so I guess that's why I feel so weird about it because if you just take the score line and assume all the goals are good and the way the game plays out, I don't feel like they deserve to win. I think they did enough to win. I think they didn't do enough to actually seal the win, and that was frustrating. Mm-hmm. But then when you go back to that first goal, yeah, because everything's different from that point on. That goal still baffles me that it's not called a foul on two separate occasions with a push and then just charging through. Yeah, like Gonzalo Pineda said, he gets a touch, but he goes through the player to get to it. He had already shoved Robinson with two hands before that. That gets called, I think Gonzalo said, 99 out of 100 times. I did yeah. actually increase the percentage. Like yeah. it, it's, it's shocking that that doesn't happen. 
it's not the first time that we've seen this sort of thing. It's also not a shock that this is left out of the MLS instant replay discussion this week in terms of, of video content. I don't it's even know a, they were doing that anymore. Yeah, yeah, you're not missing anything. It's yeah. egregious. And it's one thing when the referee decides, you know what, I am going to stand up and say that it's not okay for defenders to fall down easily in that play. Okay, you normally do that against a defender who falls down easily. I can't think of a time that Miles Robinson has fallen down easily trying to draw a foul. So, what? Like it, 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 and it's so early in the game, it completely changes the night. And I can't remember a time that I've seen the fourth official, in this case, Jair Marufo, have to have a, an ongoing dialogue with a team's technical area. And the reason why he kept doing it, he knows. He's been there. He understands the frustration. So instead of waving the hand and saying, no, I'm not going to talk to you anymore, or you're going to get carded, he kept trying to calm them down because, as an experienced referee, he knew that they had a right to feel aggrieved. He's got to back his, his referee, of course, and he's not going to say that the referee got the call wrong. Can't do that. That's, that's not their job. But he knows from a game management standpoint that I'm going to have to talk to these guys a lot tonight after that goal was given. Yeah, and... It it could just be coincidental because there are only a few MLS matches this weekend, but I will note that the center ref from last weekend did not get an assignment this weekend. Now that could just be coincidental. Yeah. yeah let's see next but, week. But I just want to point that out. Um, That's something pro think, but, really needs to be public about going forward. And that, it's frustrating yeah. that they're not because it would, I think, give a much better feeling to not just the fan bases of teams, but also to the the players and the coaches of teams. It's not about, like, all the referees are bad, punish them all. No, 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 no. 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 That, that's not the case. Referees make mistakes. But if you're a center back in this situation and you make a mistake, you're probably going to lose your position the next week. It's very possible you go out of the starting lineup. If you're a forward who makes a big mistake in a game, if you're a goalkeeper who makes a big mistake in a game, if it's become a recurring thing, you might miss your spot the next week. It's the same for referees. They're performing as well. And they don't have a coach to say, like, hey, they're not in the lineup. There's not a lineup posted. It needs to be public. And that's going to hold them to a higher standard to overall make it better. Ismir Pekmich is a young referee. I felt like he got a huge call wrong. And then from there, the game was very difficult for him. It was very difficult for everybody. He didn't make it any better with his decisions on the night. It was one of the most bizarrely refereed games that I can remember in a long time. But so much of that stems from that early decision. Yeah, and, and it, it kind of set the tone for the whole night. And this is where I go back to the feeling that I thought Atlanta United probably deserved to win because if that goal doesn't count, remember Atlanta United was really shell-shocked after giving yeah. up. Well, now, I think that that affected Matt Steed for the first half hour. But yet Atlanta United still got an equalizer and a go-ahead goal. If Dallas's first goal doesn't count, it might be 2-0 Atlanta United at some point early in the second half, and then everything's different. As Christopher Abel points out on the Twitch pitch, Fallon Velasco was sent off for that horror tackle that he had on um, – on Was it Lennon or – It was um, on Brooks Lennon. Yeah, he yeah, stomped on he, his Achilles. 
yeah, if he's sent off for that horror tackle, you're up one nil and up a man. Uh, it's a totally different match at that point. He could have also theoretically, I know, I know some people are going to point this out. Uh, Yorgos probably got away with a gentleman's yellow, at least on that elbow thing that he had. But I think that was a makeup call for what the referee knew was an incorrectly issued yellow before that in that, um, collision that he had where a Jesus Ferreira just kind of ran through the back of him. Oh, um, no, it was the overlapping right back who, who ran through him. I, I know what you're talking or, about. Uh, yeah. G- uh, Giovanni Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He comes charging in recklessly yeah. and Yakimakis is trying to play the ball either. He got a touch or the ball hopped up off the turf. It was hard to tell, but he's trying to play the ball and Jesus comes flying in and goes over him, which uh, yeah, it happens. It's part of the game. I, that wasn't a yellow to me. I don't think the the elbow was a yellow either. I, I think if you want to take the, all the various fouls that Yakimaki's had, yeah, on a yellow, that's fine. But those incidents, no. And I think sending him off in that moment yeah. would have been – that would have been a stretch. But all of this said, the game was what the game was, and Atlanta took the 2-1 lead, and they gave up a bad goal. And mm-hmm. it's a goal you can't give up. And it's something that's got to get sorted in the way this team defends. Now, it's not the same thing as the Busquets ball over the top to Lionel Messi. That was one where the team had pressed before and had chased and chased and chased, and the ball takes deflection, falls to Busquets. At some point when you're pressing and pressing and pressing, you run out of gas and you can't press at that moment. When that happens, the back line has to drop. In Miami, or in Fort Lauderdale to be specific, they did not drop. They stepped. So that was an incorrect decision by the back line. Everybody's yelling about the pressure on the ball. Go back and watch the sequence before. The the pressure was there. It dropped when the deflection goes to Busquets because they had been chasing. So this was different. This is one where there was some pressure on the ball. It is hit over the top, and Luis Abram was just about a step late to step up with that pressure. And you go back and look at it, and we only got one look at it in the booth. It was really close on if Kamungo was onside, and it was checked and held for at least a couple seconds on the kickoff. They did take a look. It was that close. There's not enough to overturn it, and you don't have the lines that you're going to do in other leagues, so... You take a look, and if the AR doesn't put the flag up, then you're going to roll with what you what you go with on the field there. But that's a mistake that can't happen. And I thought Brad Gazan hesitated at the top of the 18, and I don't exactly know why. I don't know if he misjudged it. I don't know if he you – know, I don't know what it was. But it looked like he was going to get there, and then there was a hesitation, and then Kamungo gets there barely and pays the price for it and gets the goal, though. And when you go up there, you just can't give that goal up that quickly. That's something that they've got to learn from, and they've got to find that way to deal with this the rest of the way. And they keep giving up those kind of goals. I mean, this is the conversation we've had all year. You're going to be limited in what your your ceiling is. And that that's the frustrating element to me because there's so many elements this game. You can go back and say the first goal shouldn't have stood. You can get into the red car with Velasco. I think both are valid discussions for sure. But you had a 2-1 lead even with all of that, and you let it get away from you. And in the last, what, 30 minutes or so, either team could have won. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think it was there for either team to take, and neither one could. And two two ultimately feels about right. I think the good news is, though, I, and you're totally right. I don't want to gloss over giving up those types of goals, but I do yeah. think the good news is you have a larger sample size now that you can point to and say the players you have brought in in the summer transfer window are really working out very 100%, well. Absolutely, I love Janitza with a beautiful goal. Um, on on Saturday, played really really well in his first Atlanta United start. I think Tristan William Bob, you know, unfortunate he couldn't give them more than what he could in the minutes department. But I think you saw clear impact in the midfield once he was able to come into the game again. Um, Shante Silva, I think, has a lot of class and um, is someone that again when he's at the point where he can play a full ninety, it's going to be very very. Interesting to see how um, how that attack looks potentially with a Shande Silva, a Saba Lobjanitsa, a Yorgos Yakimakis, a Tiago Amato all playing together for 90 minutes. So it could be really, really fun. And honestly, I, I think William Buzz's impact has had a, a really positive effect on Mateus Hosetu. And I think you saw when, when that was the midfield pairing at the end of the match that it, it, was, um, it was a benefit to Atlanta United. Yeah. So... All that being said, uh, you got a road point against a, a team that is above the playoff line in their conference right now. You got a road point with a tough whistle. I'll take it. I don't love it. I'd love to get three, yep. uh, especially because some of the teams above you on the table won over the weekend. Uh, so you're starting to just a teeny bit start to lose ground now to, to the four seed, which you just that's got to be the goal at this point. So that's why you, you you don't love getting one when you could have gotten three, but could have been a much, much worse outcome on oh. Saturday. And, you know, really, if you consider the totality of what they've done since coming back from League's Cup, it's been pretty good. You know, you, you, you won convincingly at Seattle. You won convincingly at home against Nashville. Uh, you ran out of gas against Cincinnati, but you turn around, you get a, a good solid road point at Dallas, and you end up 4-0-2 against the Western Conference this year. Not bad. I think you're 6-5-4 and um, against teams above the current playoff line in their respective conferences. Again, not bad. Not Really not bad going into these final six matches, starting with the Miami Circus next week. But we have a lot to get through before we get to that point, and uh, that includes eight players called into national teams for Friendlies, World Cup qualifiers, you name it, it's going on in this international window. And, um, yeah, I think really all eyes for us will probably be on what happens with Argentina over their World Cup qualifiers because not only does it have an impact on Messi for next Saturday, but also potentially an impact on Tiago Almada as well. Yeah, the two things to leave the, the last two games from Atlanta United in the rear view – I think they've settled on their best 11, and mm-hmm. uh, it's Brad Gazan, it's Caleb Wiley, Luisa Brown, Miles Robinson, Brooks Lennon, Mateus Osetsu, Tristan Muyamba, Tiago Almada, Shande Silva on one side, Saba Lobjanidze on the other, and Yorgos Yakamaki's up top. That's your best 11. You've got depth with that. Uh, I thought I thought Santiago Sosa was, was good in Dallas. I, I thought he was good. Was he great? No, he was good. He, he started to open the field up with those long passes that he's known for. He was fine defensively. Santiago was fine. He's in a reserve role now. That's what he needs to be able to give you from time to time. 
Amars Adich was fine. I thought the pace of the game hurt him a little bit, but in the moments where he was able to control it, I thought he was good in those moments. Tyler Wolf, good option off the bench, and a player who fits the system really, really well. You're in a good spot. Ronald Hernandez, you know you can count on. Juan Oparata, you know you can count on. You're in a good, good spot with where this group is, and I think that has settled itself down. And I don't know, maybe for the first time since the, the stretch run in 21, you know what your 11 is, and you don't have any crazy injuries or things to deal with that could be disruptive to it. That's really comforting for a manager and for a coaching staff to know, hey, this is my 11. Like, yeah, somebody might be tired. I make a rotation like we saw in Dallas a little bit, but you know what the 11 is now. The other thing is I think we've learned, and it's something that we really hadn't talked about a whole lot over these past couple of years, but I think it's become very clear that this team still defensively they're not as good as they should be so the way you can mitigate that is by controlling the pace of play and that's something I dug into on Atlanta soccer tonight last night if you control the pace and you're going to do that with the ball that's how Atlanta United will do everything but it's going to be with the ball you don't always go breakneck speed getting forward like we saw against Cincinnati where it became transition, transition, transition. That's not Atlanta's game. Sometimes slow it down, and that's completely fine. Make the opponent come out. Get the opponent into defensive shapes because how many times have we seen this over these past few games where an opponent might be in a 4-3-3 to start, and in a lot of times they're probably going to try to protect somebody on the defensive side so that 4 4-3-3 might turn into a 4-4-2. We saw Hani Mukhtar become a forward defensively. Lucho Acosta become a forward defensively. You're trying to protect them a little bit. Okay, that's fine. So when that happens, what you want is you want it to turn into a 4-2-4 because then you're playing through a line of four. When you bust that line of four, you have a three-man midfield already. Then you get Almada, Muyamba, Hosechu running at two. The other team's going to be trying to track back and recover, and everything opens up. It felt like the first 30 minutes in Seattle was really the blueprint for how this team can manage situations, protect their defense, and also get the looks that they want in the attacking half. They were at times slow and methodical in doing that. That's fine. If you have control of the ball, you have control of the game, you don't get into these 50-50 games. You don't get into these transition track meets. You have control. And with the quality that this team has on the ball all the way around, you want the ball, and you want to do that. So at times, they've got to slow it down. Keep the ball. Make the opponents come chase. Play a little hide-and-seek with it. Make the opponents come out, get out of their shape, and then exploit it. And, and those are the two things that I feel like we've really taken away since the League's Cup break. We know the 11, and I think we know the way the team needs to play. Now they have to do that as often as possible the rest of the way. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Before we pivot away from Atlanta United, if we're even going to do that, Eric Medina wants to know if we've heard anything about Jamal Thierry's visa. Uh, And I know there was a report today that he is still not with Atlanta United. I don't know. I don't know the situation. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, I, I know it's been frustrating for everybody involved. But, yeah, I don't know. And the more this goes, I think the hope originally, well, the hope originally was he'd be here a lot sooner. The the hope last time we really had any conversation about it was that he would join the team as early in this window as possible so they could assess where he is fitness-wise and he could start to get comfortable with the group, at least the group that's that's able to train right now. And if that doesn't happen sooner rather than later – I think it becomes far more difficult to expect really anything out of him this year. And, you know, I, I, I think anyway, you're expecting him to be an option off the bench. And if you can't get him in to really see where he's at and get his fitness to a, a decent spot, I don't know if he passes Miguel Barry in terms of the depth chart. And, you know, say what you want about Barry, you know what you're going to get out of him work-wise. And if you don't know what you're going to get out of TRE in that situation because you just haven't seen him yet, it's going to be hard to expect anything out of him. So yeah. every day that he misses is a problem. Yeah, and, and to answer Christopher's question, I don't know why TRE's visa took longer than Saba's. I just know that it has been a very frustrating experience for the people who are trying to yeah. get it taken care of um and and i think we've even been told like we'll we'll probably find out more when it's finally all resolved but it it has been a really weird situation and i don't think there's any truth to the speculation that they're looking to cancel um the the agreement with tre there's no speculation to that that's somebody making something up and saying it yeah i i I don't i don't (laughs) think there's anything behind that i i think uh if there like, is, they know more than we do. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I've well, never heard that. We've been told directly by people who I think would would be very directly involved in the decision making over lineups and who plays that uh, they really do expect it to have TRE in this team and play him. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't think there's anything behind that speculation that they'd, they'd be no. looking to cancel things. No, there. that's that's just honestly saying things there, yeah. there's nothing to go on there hey one other mls note from today i get it i don't think it's totally surprising but robin frazier sacked yeah. with colorado yeah uh, no surprise um yeah you know it's it's a situation where i like robin frazier i, I like hearing him talk soccer I, I like the work that he's put in as especially as an assistant in this league as a manager he has not been successful, and it's the reaction to this has been something that I think comes up too often when we talk soccer in this country. There's a lot of, yeah, what he said, 
yeah, what she said in terms <laughs> of the way this stuff goes. And, and the story that I guess the uh, the Illuminati sent out on, on a memo was that, oh, Robin Fraser did a good job in Colorado. It's because he didn't have any talent to work with. And everybody ran with that. And Robin's coaching record in MLS, including two years with Chivas USA, which I- I've talked about, the story at that time, and this is 2011-12, and Chivas was a mess, and we know all that. The story at that time was people were confused and baffled by the way the team was set up to play, the way the lineups changed, the lineups that were put out. There wasn't anything in terms of an identity or consistency. So that didn't go well. You could talk about the talent he had to work with, but that didn't go well. Colorado didn't go well outside of one season. His overall record is 64, 83, and 55. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Mm-mm. This year, they're 313 and 10. They've only scored 16 goals. They've been shut out in their last four games. That's not good. They haven't, they've won one game in 18 in all competitions. That's not good. The yeah. year that they were good in 2021, which was a shock, and they, they won the Western Conference regular season. They lost in the first round of the playoffs to Portland at home. That's not good. I think Robin Frazier, his best time in this league was as Greg Vanney's assistant in Toronto. And in Chivas, they were reversed. It was Frazier in charge. It was Vanny as the assistant. When Vanny went to Toronto, Frazier ended up, after Chivas, going to the Red Bulls as an assistant and then joined Vanny in Toronto and was there for their great run. That is the next move, in my opinion, for Robin Frazier. I don't think he is the right candidate for another spot right now. He didn't do well in two years as a manager. He went to be an assistant. He got another opportunity no problem with that at all. It didn't work out. So now I think he has to go back to being an assistant. And if the right opportunity shows up again and somebody wants to take a third chance, go for it. But I don't think there's anything there to show that he's developed an identity. He's developed a style of play. He's developed the talent that he has. You can say he doesn't have enough talent to win consistently, but I can't say they've improved from the beginning of 2022 to now. I can't say that there's anything better about that team right now. And they lost a lot of people from 21, no question. But I'm talking about the start of 22 to now. They have not improved, and that's the problem. Well, uh, they're not a very big club uh, in mentality and and spending. That's also true. And I think everybody's leaned on that to say that it's okay that they weren't good under Frazier. No. It's two different things. Like, the expectation for good for him in Colorado – should be lower because they don't have a lot of talent and they're not going to spend. I'm fine with that. But 3, 13, and 10 is not good under anybody's expectation. You can't say that it is. No, absolutely. Vanderbilt uh, football would sack a football coach for going 3 and 10. Yeah, you hit the wall to where it's like, no. (laughs) They're Vanderbilt, and they're a small club in a big league, if you will. But uh, they're not going to accept going three and ten, you know, yeah. uh, or or four and seven. Like they're they're going to sack their coach and they're going to try to do a little bit better. I would not expect Colorado to be, uh, you know, knocking on uh, Jose Mourinho's door or anything like that. But um, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll see. It could be an opportunity, I think, for a very good MLS assistant. Can and, can uh, I give credit to uh, Shoeless Jarrett Smith for a theory here? Please go ahead. Um, I don't know if he'll take it, and he'd probably say no, but I would at least make him tell me no. Rob Valentino? 
No, 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 uh, Jesse Marsh. They need somebody with experience. Oh. And I would go to Jesse and say, you build it the way you want to. You got control over the way the academy teams play. You're going to have the, uh, if not the actual GM role, but you're going to have the veto power or whatever over acquisitions. And we're going to give you three years to build this team playing the way you want from the ground up. Yeah. Because if you're not going to spend a, a lot of money on players, it, it, it's I don't even think there's anything to tear down, honestly. like I, I think it's just building it up from scratch. And the problem with these kind of teams, and, and there's no excuse for why this doesn't happen, you've got to have an identity. You've got to have something that you stand on in the way that you play. If it's press, press. Do it. Do it from the kids all the way up. If it's a possession-based team, cool. If it's a defend deep and counter team, cool. Whatever. Pick something. Colorado is no identity. It's vanilla as, as you can get. It's they, You've got to have an identity. And in my opinion, the, the less resources you have or your ownership is going to commit to it, the stronger your identity has to be. And identity isn't something you have to go pay for. You have to implement it. And mm -hmm. Jesse Marsh, I think, is a smart guy who maybe would be intrigued by that challenge. Maybe he'd say no and think he can get a better opportunity, but it's been a minute, so I'd at least give the option to him of come in and build it the way you want, and we'll support you with what you want to do, but we're not going to spend a whole lot of money, and you're going to have to live with that. Yeah. Well, I um, was not expecting to spend that much time on Colorado. I do think <laughs> no, Jesse Marsh would give them a lot of credibility. Uh, I think with patience, he could build them into something that certainly has an identity, like you said. They could be very compelling. Um, but I don't know if Colorado is that ambitious. And I think it, when I say Colorado, I mean front office and whoever yeah. makes the decisions no, for them. If you're going to go the assistant route, the first thing I'm asking is what do you stand on in the way that you want your team to play? And yeah. how are you going to make all of our teams play that way from – the U13s all the way through the second team through the first team because that's what this job entails now. Mm -hmm. um, just real quick, in our final couple minutes, what are you most intrigued by rest of this week with international play? The South American qualifiers are always fun, even if it's not quite as critical now with the expanded World Cup. Six teams get in instead of four there was one playoff spot before. You still have that, but instead of the fifth-place team, it's the seventh-place team. So three will miss out entirely, and it's probably safe to go ahead and put Bolivia and Venezuela in those spots, although it's not a guarantee. But they're the weakest two of the ten. And then it's who's going to be the other one. Uh, Nino Torres on, on Atlanta Soccer tonight, last night, said it'd be Paraguay. A wow. And it very well could be. Like, it's... Between Paraguay, between Colombia, between Peru, maybe Ecuador, although I think they're going to be okay in the top four, it's going to be a good fight. It More teams get in, but that bubble line shifts lower. So it's still going to be competitive, and it's still going to be crazy, and you're going to have crazy storylines because it's South America. It's going to happen. Um, I'm excited to see Yorgos with Greece uh, playing in the Netherlands. I think that could be a really interesting game tomorrow. Uh, Saba Lobjanidze, Georgia hosts Spain on mm. Friday. That could be a fun one, especially if Saba gets time against Spain. So definitely looking forward to those. Um, 
There's also a, a big game in college tomorrow night uh, up in Kennesaw, Georgia State, women at KSU. KSU got a massive draw against Florida on Sunday, and it was maybe the best 45 minutes that I've seen them in the, in the what, three years since I've been calling their games as much as I can. Really good performances. Florida unbeaten still. They hadn't conceded a goal before the goal that Ken- Kennesaw State scored. And Georgia State's a team that I get to call a lot and identity. Go back to that. They want the ball, and they're going to be a possession-based team. They still need that little spark in the attacking half and in the attacking third. Two teams who are kind of at similar levels in terms of the the women's soccer universe. Lots of local talent. It should be a really fun game up in Kennesaw tomorrow night. Come out to fifth third if you can. If you can't, you can watch it on ESPN Plus with uh, me and our old friend Mateen. (laughs) And speaking of other teams that play at Kennesaw, Two's going to Huntsville this weekend, right? Yeah, and when you project it out, I mean, it's it's difficult for them to get into the postseason, but this is one of those games. This is a playoff game. If you beat Huntsville, you're four points back. Next week, you host Miami, and Miami's the last place team in the East in MLS Next Pro. That should be a win at home. Uh, Atlanta's looked really good against Miami this season. Should have won on the road, ended up getting away from them, uh, dominated them at home last time out. So... If you win both of those, you go into the last day, you go into decision day with an opportunity to get into the postseason if you win and and get some help. This is a a really big game. I'm actually going to make the trip over to Huntsville. Um, I'm doing UT Chattanooga early in the afternoon in a women's game for ESPN Plus and then driving down to Huntsville, 7 o'clock Eastern time kickoff. It's on Apple TV, uh, MLS season pass. And you can listen to the radio call on SoccerDownHere.net or the Soccer Down Here app or the Spreaker app. When do you ever sleep? I slept a lot on Monday, <laughs> a whole lot, because I didn't even realize it when I booked all of it. Like I ended up doing four broadcasts in 24 hours because we started at 8 o'clock Eastern in Frisco, did pregame, did the game. Then I jumped over to the Unified game. That was an hour broadcast. That was great. I, I just love getting the chance to be a part of that. It was a really fun night. Then was up really early <laughs> to fly back. Um, did the Georgia State game at 2 o'clock and did the Kennesaw game at 6. And that ended at 8. So in a 24-hour period, I was broadcasting soccer for seven and a half hours of the 24. Oh. And I think I might have slept for about two, maybe two and a half. <laughs> um, so I slept a lot on Monday. <laughs> Yeah, you're stronger than I. I, I, I. We got back. The first team got back at like three in the morning on uh, on Sunday, so I wasn't home until almost four. And um, we had plans the next day. Needless to say, they got canceled. Uh, <laughs> it, it was a t- it was tough sledding. It was a grind, but uh, you know, fortunately, no game for uh, the first team this week, so everyone's had plenty of time to recover. Okay, uh, we'll be back next Wednesday, two p.m. For another edition of Stoppage Time here on uh, Twitch and the 92.9 The Game Facebook page, I think we'll have a lot more clarity on what that Miami game is going to look like because uh, uh, the Argentines will be done. In fact, uh, most everyone on international duty will know how much they've put in yep. and how much they might put in, um, and we might be able to, to uh, venture a better guess on what everything's going to look like uh, a week from Saturday. So that's One next- bit of news on, on the Argentina game, just so people have heard it here and don't get it twisted. 
Lionel Scaloni, there had been some early speculation that Messi was not even going to go to Bolivia. Lionel Scaloni said that he's expecting every player who is available to be in Bolivia and be part of that trip. So uh, un- unless something happens in game one, they're all making the trip to La Paz and they're all going to be part of that. Now, that can always change, but that is what was said publicly today by Lionel Scaloni, manager of Argentina. Messi doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would want to leave the team after one fixture. I, I, you know, Even if there no. would not be a plan for him to start in Bolivia, I'm sure he would still want to be there. He doesn't strike me He's as... He's the captain. It's yeah. never been his mentality to, to do that. He is getting older and things change, so you know, keep that in mind. But no, I expect him to be part of it. And then we'll just have to see. I expect him to be part of the game in Atlanta. And really, it depends on how he's feeling and how much he plays over these two games as to how involved he will be and if it's from the start. But at this point, I absolutely expect him to be part of the game in Atlanta in some form or fashion. Okay. Well, we'll ponder more of that next week. That's a good tease. Uh, 2 o'clock next Wednesday on Twitch and the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. Thanks for joining us today for a stoppage time. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's better After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.